You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So in the past month, there have been some notable deaths in the world. I guess the most prominent of that would be Prince, and we'll get into that in a moment. We also heard about the death of movie director Guy Hamilton. And if that name isn't familiar to you, he directed four of the James Bond films, including Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever with Sean Connery, Live and Let Die, and The Man with the Golden Gun with Roger Moore. Those were his claims to fame. Guy Hamilton, he died in his 90s. Sounds like all those titles uh, should be applied to Prince. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. So the question I have about Prince is, I did a little research once I heard about it, and I have to tell you that I was no big Prince fan. I remember a couple of his songs. I remember one song of his they used in the 1989 Batman movie, by directed by Tim Burton, where Jack Nicholson as the Joker carries in this boombox playing a Prince song. So I know very little about him, but did he ever write any songs about UFOs, paranormal, or something like that? Well, I'd have to kind of go back through his catalog. I don't think anything overt. He did kind of hint around at things. He was a Jehovah's Witness, so which most people probably aren't aware of. Well, that was Michael Jackson. Prince also? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he really did have this kind of millennialist uh, bent to him that was very, very subtle. It didn't come out in his work. I was first exposed to him. Maybe I should use a, a better uh, term. I first heard about him from a friend back in, I think it was 78. He said, this guy is incredible. I think the the quote was he, he's like a Q-tip dipped in pubic hair or something. I it, it, very sexual, and he was having some sort of like music industry small theater kind of club uh, performance after his uh, album Dirty Mind had come out. I, I think that's the name of it. And this young guy came out and just he he just rocked the house. I mean, I, I was I was a, an instant fan, and I was so. I don't know. I just was. Uh, I wasn't surprised when Purple Rain became such a breakout hit, and he won an Academy Award and all that. Um, but what most people forget is that the guy not only wrote the songs and sang all the parts, he played all the instruments and produced the darn thing. And then he had his musicians come in and duplicate his parts when he went, when he took it out live. And well, that's almost like John Fogarty of Creedence Clearwater Revival, where he would do all the instrumentation as a demo for his band. Well, Prince did it for the album. <laughs> and he, sure. He, you know, his buddy Andre, I think, uh, did play bass on a couple of tracks. And there were some ringers that were brought in. I think Wendy Melbourne uh, may have played some of her parts. But, but for the most part, the guy, you know, he could do it all. Um, he could sing. He could dance. Um, he could play, he was an unbelievably talented guitarist, keyboardist, uh, helped invent the whole 80s drum sound. Uh, the guy was, you know, in a class all by himself. And within the music industry, he was kind of, he was a man apart. You know, anybody that I knew in New York in the 80s, when, when you would say Prince, they just, their eyes would kind of wax over and they'd go, my God, I wish I was that talented. He really was a, a major talent. And the fact that he's gone at such an early age is is a little bit uh, disturbing. You know, he, he really was into some what 
I think some people would call conspiracy subjects. Um, he was a big uh, researcher into chemtrails, uh, you know, climate change and uh, weather modification, that sort of thing. He was also very much into uh, the ruling cabals that kind of dictate, uh, you know, big business. Um, he had his own problems with his major label uh, for a number of years and refused to release any albums. And then finally came up with the idea of, of renaming himself as an unpronounceable symbol so that he could continue recording because the guy was constantly coming up with with new new material. And without a record company and, and with all the legal hassles he was going through, you know, it made it a problem. So instead of releasing them as prints, he released them as this kind of male-female composite sort of symbol. <laughs> Wasn't he were, once called the artist formerly known as Prince? Yeah, yeah Symbol Man. <laughs> you know, and, it's very interesting here how many artists, major artists, have problems with the record labels. You think, well, maybe the one-hit wonder or the artist who gets a year or two of success. But we're talking about people like a Prince where you figure the record companies would be on their knees begging him to release product. Well, if they're not, you know, tightening the brother up, <laughs> you know, the brother had the clout to uh, to say no and say, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, the guy even, you know, he directed his second film. I mean, the guy, you know, Purple Rain was a big hit and everything, but uh, his next film went under a cherry moon or something or something like that. He actually directed it, even though it was a flop. But one thing you got to say about Prince, you never heard any scandals about him. Um, there was never any tawdry TMZ type, uh, you know, journalistic uh, sensationalism surrounding the man and his career. And he kept a very low profile and he kept, you know, he kept his uh, private life private. And, you know, he seemed to be a real straight shooter. He didn't he didn't have a lot of uh, issues outside of a few kind of notorious relationships that he had. Including Madonna, I think he even dated for a while. But, you know, the guy was really, he was within the music business. I mean, he was the wonder kid. You know, he could do no wrong. Everybody that I ever talked to, regardless of whether they were fans or not, they all acknowledged his incredible talent. And he may be, and, you know, I would say he's up there in the top one or two people. Bowie is another one, very, very talented. But Prince took it that one step further. He could play all the instruments, he could arrange all the parts. He could, you know, dance up a storm and, and give, you know, Jimi Hendrix a, a run for his money on guitar. <laughs> and the funny thing about it here, he was a little guy, five foot two. Yeah, he was, he was, he was a, a tiny, a, you know, a tiny guy that was far bigger, bigger than life. Bless his heart. And we certainly hope that wherever he is that he's teaching them a few things about music. Well, somebody uh, said online that he died a prince, but he's uh, king in heaven. So I guess there's a hell of a band that's rehearsing right now up there, if you believe in that sort of thing. It sounds like a song that was out a few years ago. Rock and roll heaven. Yeah. All right, let's move on. That was up by the Righteous Brothers, I think, did that song. Now, you see, I remember a couple of things, but don't ask me about Prince. Don't ask me anything about Prince. I don't know. One other death occurred almost a month ago, a guy in his 90s that many of you probably remember the name, but you know what? We thought he was gone a long time ago. That was Albert K. Bender. Yeah. And I will tell you when we get to our next segment where we'll be featuring 
Nick Redfern and a surprise appearance from Greg Bishop, who couldn't miss this one. Yeah, couldn't miss this one, he says. We're going to talk about the fact that I met Albert K. Bender once in the early 1960s when I was a mere lad living in Brooklyn, New York at the time, and I went to a lecture conducted by Jim Mosley to have Bender discuss a new book called Flying Saucers and the Three Men. And I think up until then, the general impression of the three men in black uh, was that these are government agents. And certainly that's what transferred itself into the graphic novel from the 1990s and the three movies with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, where the men in black were government agents. But in the case of the comic book and, of course, the movie, they were protecting aliens on Earth, but also dealing with bad aliens on Earth. So it's very different from the creatures, and I won't call them people or men, the creatures that Albert Bender talked about. And that's something we'll ask Nick Redfern about and something we'll ask Greg Bishop about when we get him on. He'll be on probably not for the entire show because he'll be on a cellular connection, and I hope we get decent audio. You know, with cellular connections, you never know. Just want to remind you, check plus.thepowercast.com for the Powercast Plus. We've got Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop, and more. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. I know that a lot of our listeners are interested in UFOs, the issue of giant skeletons found in America, paranormal investigations, and what the top researchers think about such topics. One online magazine has been presenting such unusual information since 1985. It is Alternate Perceptions Magazine at apmagazine.info. Use their search function to find articles on just about every topic imaginable. That's apmagazine.info. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income, so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of unique 
uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. How would you like to make 17% on your money in only 90 days? That's right, gold owners made 17% in only three months as gold had its best quarterly gain in 30 years. Gold is on the move and you need to get government-issued legal tender gold coins starting at only $139 each. The U.S. Money Reserve, one of the largest gold distributors in the country, announces the first-ever at-cost gold release on this station for only $139 each. 1-866-944-GOLD or go online at usmoneyreserve.com. Official U.S. government-issued legal tender solid gold coins at cost for only $139 each. Call 1-866-944-GOLD. Ask for a free 55-page gold buyer's book. Plus, get a free Walking Liberty half dollar just for reading this must-have book all about gold. Remember, gold is on the move, up 17%. Call 1-866-944-GOLD. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest-priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we have two guests for the price of one. We've got Nick Redfern. We've got Greg Bishop. And Chris was telling me before, he reminded me the last times that both Nick and Greg were on, for various reasons, I'm not going to get into right now, Chris O'Brien was not here, but I made him... <laughs> oh, poor, poor Chris. <laughs> My two favorite guests, and I, God, I screwed up. Hey, it's on me, but we'll make up for lost time. Right, I'll have Chris ask all the questions and I'll sit back. I think Chris was probably... Uh talking to his handler about, you know, what was going down on the show. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he was, he was reporting back. I mean, I think, I think it's yeah. a bonus when he reports on Nick. <laughs> Wait a minute. What handler? I can't even handle myself. Let alone, you think somebody else could handle me? No way. <laughs> I know people have tried to handle me. And unless it feels good, I don't want to know about it. But let me get on with this. So I asked you briefly before we started, Nick. Is there any paranormal, psychic, UFO connection that one can apply to Prince, or was he not related to any of that stuff? Well, I mean, I don't know if he was interested in paranormal and UFO stuff, but I mean, I mean, I mean I'm sure there are people who are going to, you know, there can be blog posts where people are saying that there's some sort of significance about his death or whatever, and they'll point to sort of they'll come up with some synchronistic issues with dates and stuff. But, I mean, I think what often happens is that when we're dealing with famous people, there's often this tendency, whether consciously or subconsciously, to try and make a meaning behind the death beyond just the fact that, well, they died, you know. But at the end of the day, 
we're all human. We're no different just because somebody's on stage or somebody's on in the movies. You know, I'm sure it'll turn out whatever he died from. You know, there's no reason that I see to bring the paranormal into it. He was just a man in his late 50s who died. You know, that happens every day. I did actually read one thing already about Prince apparently talking about something paranormal related, and that's why they, he got uh, off in the last couple of weeks, because he, he mentioned something, I guess. But yeah, I've already seen one of them already online. Yeah, dying in your own elevator in your own house, that, that, that must be an awful way to go. Well, some people that will say, look, the guy had an elevator. He didn't do pretty bad after all. <laughs> Did pretty good. The guy's got an elevator. He and Mitt Romney. Let's move past Prince, unless we hear a great conspiracy theory. Because obviously rich people, famous people can't just die, as Nick says. Let's talk about somebody who died in March. And that was Albert K. Bender. Now, I mentioned in the previous segment of the show, Nick, that I met Bender exactly one time in the early mid-60s when he was lecturing very briefly on that book, Flying Saucers and the Three Men. What can you tell us about Albert Bender, particularly for listeners who may have heard of him by name only, and certainly have heard of the three men in black, but don't understand the full connection. Nick? Well, basically, Albert Bender wasn't the first person to report seeing a man in black. He was really the guy who was responsible for kick-starting the man in black mystery in the early 50s. And where it all happened was that Bender lived in uh, the town of Bridgeport, Connecticut. He had a fascination with everything to do with the paranormal. You know, when the UFO subject kicked off in 47, he got involved in that. But as a kid, he was heavily into ghost stories. He was a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft and Edgar Allan Poe. And he was also someone who, as I said, gravitated to the UFO subject and uh, very quickly. What he did um, was to establish a group called the International Flying Saucer Bureau and set up this organization, excuse me, a magazine. One of the things that Bender did was to establish um, an organization, the International Flying Saucer Bureau, and also his very own journal called Space Review. And both attracted a lot of attention, and certainly Space Review was sold across Australia, or, or at least people who sub- subscribed to it, Europe, the United States, and elsewhere. Bender was an unusual guy, though, because he lived in the attic of this old house, and he converted it into what he called his chamber of horrors. And um, basically, it was sort of filled with ghoulish images of like demons and ghosts and devils and skeletons and things like that. And also about 10 large, eerie, staring paintings of large black cats. They were all around the room. And he had an obsession with clocks. There were clocks all around the room as well, like 15 of them or something like that. So he's an unusual guy. And he also had obsessive-compulsive disorder. On top of that, Bender, when he set up the IFSB uh, and was sort of really sort of rolling along, you know, quickly and getting all sorts of people subscribing and, you know, became sort of a a little force almost, you know, within ufology, he started to have these run-ins with the men in black. And it began in sort of a strange fashion where he would go to the local cinema on a Saturday night. Um, he didn't have many friends. He didn't have girlfriends. So Saturday nights for Bender, unfortunately, was sort of spent alone watching horror movies down the local cinema, which is probably not the healthiest way to spend your Saturday nights all alone. But anyway, he would talk about seeing these shadowy figures in the cinema 
he would walk home and he'd, then he would see them again. He didn't think too much other than the fact that he'd unsettled him a bit. But then on one occasion, he started to feel ill in his chamber of horrors and he had to quickly lay down on the bed. He felt sort of like vertigo and lightheaded. He thought he was going to pass out. And the room was suddenly filled with this odour of like brimstone, you know, which is classically attached to paranormal activity. And these three sort of fiery-eyed figures, almost like a semi-substantial, semi-shadow-like, semi-physical, in black suits and fedoras, warned him off the UFO subject. And Bender was so terrified that he did quit the UFO subject. Now, what he did, he sort of gave some of the details, but not all of them, to Gray Barker, who was probably sort of one of the early gonzo-style writers of UFO um, stories. Um, to the point where, you know, for, for Barker, he would change a happy, sunny day into a dark and stormy night, you know, just for effect in the story. And Barker wrote a book in 56, much of which was devoted to Bender's story called They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. And because Bender hadn't sort of confided all the details, Barker assumed, quite wrongly, that the men in black had come to visit uh, Bender were from the FBI, the CIA, and the Air Force, one representative from each. And Bender didn't want to talk it to, about it too much, so he didn't, you know, say, how hey, you got it wrong. Now, what happened was that in 1962, when Bender had actually told by now Barker some more of the details, and Barker realized that the true story, or the, the real story, or the second story, was actually very different to the story he told, in that they, t- they knew too much about flying saucers, Bender was persuaded to write his own book, Flying Sources and the Three Men, which portrayed the men in black as sort of definitively paranormal. And, and that book, Flying Sources and the Three Men, is sort of littered with paranormal stuff. It's sort of a classic study, if you like, in the occult, even though it's sort of UFO-themed. And so, and then Bender left the subject pretty much after that, he did a few tours and occasional lectures, but by the mid-60s, he was done with it and just focused on... By then, he was married, and he was heavily into the music of Max Steiner, the composer, and um, ran his Appreciation Society and essentially left ufology behind him. We've got more to come about Albert Bender, the three men in black. We have Nick Redfern. We have Greg Bishop. With Gene and Chris, you're in... The Paracast. <laughs> You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. This is it. For the first time ever on this station, U.S. government gold offered at cost 
for only $139 each. With Wall Street suffering its worst start to a trading year in history, now is especially the time to be paying attention to gold. This first-ever U.S. legal tender government gold offered at cost for only $139 each is from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call them at 1-866-944-GOLD. Gold is on the move, so don't miss out. For the first time ever on this station, U.S. government gold offered at cost for only $139 each. 1-866-944-GOLD or online at usmoneyreserve.com. Ask for a free 55-page gold buyer's book. Plus, get a free walking Liberty half dollar just for reading this must-have book. Get your free gold book, your free half dollar, but most importantly, get your gold at cost for only $139 per coin. 1-866-944-GOLD. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich, working harder than ever, but getting nowhere Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare, having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop, the story about the late Albert K. Bender. I mentioned this briefly in our previous segment, and some longtime listeners of the PowerCast know this. I met Albert Bender exactly one time. He gave a lecture before Jim Mosley's little group in New York City about flying saucers and the three men. And he gave the story. And then we had dinner. Now, this was probably 1963 or 1964. And Jim Mosley was married briefly to a woman named Sandra who prided herself as being an amateur psychologist. Her claim to fame, whatever it was, was to be a handwriting analyst. In any case, 
we have dinner with Bender. Bender is there with his wife. And he goes off for a quick visit to the boys' room. And Sandra says to Jim, you know, he's got problems. She had the impression, I don't know whether there's any basis for it or not, that this guy was a deeply troubled person. Now, had anyone in the field made that kind of conclusion because of the nature of the claim? Well, I mean, Bender made that claim himself (laughs) or, you know, admitted it. I mean, for example, by his own admission, throughout the early 50s, he had a total phobia that he was going to develop cancer. You know, ironically, he lived to 94. I mean, he he admits that in his book. He said he, he didn't know how it came about. He just had this irrational fear that he was going to develop cancer. And on top of that, he also admitted, and this is where I mentioned like he had OCD, he said that whenever friends came over, if they picked anything up, say, off one of the tables and they put it back down, you know, just slightly to the left, he would have to put, he'd have to replace it to where it originally was. You know, if anything was slightly moved, like a, you know, a, I don't know, for real for an old typewriter, anything, he couldn't stand it. He would just sit looking at it until he had to get up and put it back where it was. You know, this isn't other people making claims. Bender, to his credit or however you look at it, was actually quite open on the fact that these issues ran through his mind. Now, I've known people who have OCD, and for those who want to see a really graphic presentation, there's a TV show called Monk about an obsessive-compulsive detective. That's exaggerated from how the condition normally displays itself. But if you want to see it, with Tony Shalab as Monk... It must be terrible for people, you know, where you're driven to sort of repeat things like 15 times over or whatever. Oh, it must be. Okay, so we get to Bender, and he basically goes into normal civilian life after he leaves the UFO field. Now, the characters, the three men in black, became part of a graphic comic book, but it didn't have the mystic, psychic aspects of it. You know, these were physical people who were part of a government agency that dealt with space people. So was there a specific reason why none of that transferred to the graphic comic book? Well, I mean, the, the comic books didn't come out till sort of the 90s, and it only lasted for, all, for four issues. You know, it wasn't like a long-running thing. But, I mean, certainly today, I mean, you know, if you think just most people, the general public, their perceptions of the men in black, they know from the movies, you know, and they know that they're sort of secret agents. But, I mean, you go back to the 50s, and when you have Bender's Men in Black, they look weird. And then when you go into the 60s, we like all the stuff in Point Pleasant, the Gray Barker again, and also Keel, obviously, the Mothman prophecies, they chronicled as well. And those Men in Black were strange and weird. And nearly all the reports that I get, you know, because I've written several books on the subject, I get dozens and dozens of stories. Very rarely do they come across like so-called government agents. But what I think happened is that certainly Gray Barker's book was full-on for the secret agent angle. They knew too much fly, about flying saucers that came out in 56. That book solely presents the men in black as government people. And so I think what happened, there was this divergence from Bender's original experiences to where people picked up on, oh, they were for the government. And Bender was sort of leaving the subject or left it and didn't want to get dragged into it and felt that if he talked about what really happened, he would get dragged back in. So he wasn't willing to sort of say, hey, Barker's got it wrong. So I think that it was largely Barker's book, I think, that kicked off 
the idea that, you know, they're from the Pentagon or the CIA or whatever. Right, but as you say, Albert Bender's encounter wasn't the first time we had three men in black or anything similar. What about earlier cases? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly the most visible one would be the, the equally controversial Maury Island case of June 47, when allegedly a UFO exploded over uh, Maury Island in the harbour there and showered down all this wreckage into the, into the water. And according to the story, one of the key players, Harold Dahl, who was responsible for collecting some of this wreckage, claimed that he'd been visited by a man in a black car in a black suit who knew everything about what he'd been up to, who could almost report, repeat sort of in literal fashion certain conversations that Dahl had had and who went on to threaten him and his family if he didn't shut up about the Maury Island case. So, you know, that... Now, we don't know if this was sort of some intelligence agents or if it was sort of one of the weirder men in black. All we know is that somebody in sort of black fedora and suit turned up and threatened him. But, you know, that's how the guys all dressed back then. So, you know, without the, without any information which unfortunately suggests or doesn't suggest that, you know, the... Harold Dahl's MIB was sort of pale-faced and weird-looking. You know, we'll, we'll still really never know which sort of angle he was coming from. Now, those of us who've listened, have been with the Powercast for so many years, we remember when Jim Mosley and Tim Beckley talked about somebody who was seen watching the apartment mm. in which John J. Robinson lived. And there was a photograph of somebody who looked to me like he was someone out of a Godfather movie, not a man in black. But he this looks was like a, Jack Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, sort of. Maybe, maybe Greg wants to talk about that, perhaps? The only thing I remember about that is I believe Beckley and or Mosley both told me they were trying to mess with Robinson, and actually that Mosley ran out there very quickly, I guess he took a ferry or, a, or he took he took some mode of the transportation out to Robinson's house, appeared at his door or in his neighborhood, um, and then like took off very quickly and went back to where he was, you know, back to his apartment in New York City, and then called him in less time than Robinson thought that he could, um, just to hoax him into thinking that he had a Men in Black sighting. And um, as I remember it. Uh, Beckley told me that picture was of somebody completely different, had nothing to do with Robinson whatsoever, although later I think Robinson saw the picture and, and kind of freaked out. Anyway, but the whole thing was basically uh, Mosley and I think Beckley to some extent, but mostly Mosley, of course, as he did, playing a joke on a researcher. And, of course, Jack was involved in mysticism quite a bit. I knew Jack. Well, all of the, the, a lot of the people involved in the UFO subject who've had many black encounters have been involved in sort of the paranormal and the occult. Um, yeah, know, Bender, Bender was. was. Bender was up to his neck in it. Yeah. I, when I hear about this about Bender, you know, the first thing I think was when somebody does some sort of ritual and they call something up inadvertently or whatever, and then they can't get rid of it. Um, that's one theory I have of what happened to Bender, and that, you know, he called up a, who knows what, a tulpa or some kind of spirit or something that even just messed with his own mind internally and um, freaked him out. I mean, if you get in a paranoid state, you notice or 
maybe make up and then notice a lot of things that you wouldn't in, when you're not in that paranoid state. I know from firsthand experience. Well, this is something here we see in pop culture quite often, where someone as a lark or something, even if it's just with a Ouija board, summons up something. This happens, for example, there's a TV show on sci-fi called The Magicians based on a series of novels. And it happens yeah. there where they call up somebody with a spell and suddenly they're not equipped to handle the consequences. We are because we have Nick Redfern, we have Greg Bishop, we have Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. Find out what they don't want you to know. right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. 
a place for mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Dr. Joel Wallach here. If you're a baby boomer and you're worried about the big epidemics coming, and I'm not talking about the bird flu or the swine flu, I'm talking about epidemics of Alzheimer's disease, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, arthritis, cancer. That's because the 80 million baby boomers followed all the advice of doctors, and uh uh-oh, Houston, we have a problem. See Dr. Wallach live in Farmington, New Mexico, Thursday, May 12th at 7 p.m. Go to www.cdocinfarmington.com. That's www.cdocinfarmington.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris on the PowerCast, we have Nick Redfern, a special guest appearance by Greg Bishop, focusing on Albert K. Bender, but also the three men in black or whatever number of men in black you want. We want to focus also on the PowerCast Plus, because what we offer in the PowerCast Plus is the ad-free version of this show, better quality audio. We also give you the After the PowerCast podcast where we can't predict what we're going to do each week. Sometimes it's guests. Sometimes it's color commentary. Sometimes we talk about things having nothing to do with the paranormal. We're also introducing a few excerpts from this book that Chris wrote with Ray Stanford. So that's coming up. We have the first chapter. It'll be up probably by the time you hear this episode. Also, we have show transcripts. We're going to have a classic Paracast episode section where we kind of spruce up the sound quality, take out the ads too. That's coming up. Learn more about it at plus.thepowercast.com. Low subscription rates. Check it out, plus.thepowercast.com. The Paracast Plus. Indeed. You want to join it. No excuses here, okay? No excuses, whatever. Now, with Nick and with Greg, we're talking here about the consequences that may happen if you're unprepared when you try to call up something. Well, it's important to remember, a lot of people don't know this, but Bender actually had what he called like a supernatural altar that he built in his attic. I mean, it was it was like an altar with, with um, skeletons on and, you know, where you could kneel in front of it. You know, when you're sort of so tied into the occult and, and things like this as he was, you know, I actually do believe there are sort of supernatural realms yeah i really do believe that and i think you know you you sort of put the thought out there and you know you perform certain rituals and rites that it can open a door to something i think that's what happened with people like jack parsons and alistair crowley and i think bender's problem was that although he was sort of actually well versed in the occult he wasn't like a dabbler i just i don't think he was ready for what happened and what I think possibly could have happened is that he called something through, whether inadvertently or deliberately, and because of all his UFO stuff and his maybe even maybe he'd even got visited by the FBI, who knows? But if he had, perhaps all the fear and the imagery of, you know, the visit by the men in black conjured up in his mind something that was, you know, paranormal or it brought something through which sort of manifested in 
the exact sort of imagery of the thing that was worrying him, you know, that maybe he'd really been visited. And then lo and behold, he gets sort of a visitation from a paranormal equivalent that just decides to screw around with him. Now, is this a physical phenomenon, Nick, or are people just kind of deluding themselves? Well, I don't think people are deluding themselves, but I have a lot of cases where when I've listened to the witnesses, when they've talked about seeing the men in black um, in their homes, you know, and opening the front door and letting them in and being threatened, that many of these cases have seen to occur and the witness is in a kind of altered state. And in some cases... I actually do suspect that they, there was actually nobody in the room with them. They were placed something, probably external, but, I mean, you can never say, you know, what the intricacies of the human mind can do. But I think that they were sort of rendered into a state where it was almost like a, like a matrix-type state where they, the event didn't occur in normal reality as we understand it. In other words, you know, if, if Greg had been walking past the window and looked through he wouldn't have seen anything other than the person sat on the couch staring in some weird fashion and nothing going on. So I do have a few reports that where I don't think it's people hoaxing or fantasizing or dreaming, I do think some of them may have been sort of almost like a holographic type event or something like that. Oh, I was going to ask, Nick, how do you make the determination between something maybe actually physically happening that any of us could see and something that you just described where it, it might be um, sort, some sort of a projection, a uh, hallucination, a hologra- hologram, whatever you want to call it. Um, how, what do people tell you that makes that distinction? Well, the one more than any other is the actions, not of the men in black, but of the witnesses, where, you know, they, they hear the knock at the door and they let them in. You know, I'm sure if it was any of us or most people, if you're in a normal state of mind, and you hear three slow bangs on your front door at midnight, you're not just going to throw the door open. <laughs> at the very least, you know, you're going to look through the spy hole. And if you see yeah. three guys like five feet tall with skin the color of a, bottle, of a bottle of milk, you know, you're not going to let them in. But people do. And people invite them in and they sit down and they get the threat given, etc., etc. And I think if this was just a normal situation of somebody knocking on the door and coming in, the reactions of the witnesses wouldn't be the way they are. And it almost is sort of like, you know, if you have a dream, and at the time it all seems totally logical, you wake up the next morning and you think, well, that dream was totally stupid, but at the time it wasn't. And so I kind of draw that parallel, that at the time it's stupid to unlock the front door at midnight and let these guys in. But then afterwards they're like, well, I did do that, why did I do it? But maybe they actually didn't. Maybe it is a projection of some sort. You know, I don't know for sure. I mean, none of us really know. But there have been a, more than a few cases where I've wondered if the person was sort of rendered into a some sort of weird altered state, um, you know, when the encounter was going down. Well, you know, I think we should uh, kind of backtrack a little bit here and give some of our uh, newer listeners who not are not as up to speed on the subject as we are give them kind of a thumbnail sketch of how you define what a men in black or the men in black are. One thing that is often associated with accounts of these visits are what seem to be brand new, but old (laughs) luxury cars like a Cadillac or a Lincoln. Uh, And oftentimes they're described as black colored but looking brand spanking new even though they're they're you know, maybe a decade or two old they're from cuba yeah. greg do you want to sort of give the 
sort of a prototype description of the MIB? I guess so. I mean, the, the classical one I think of, and Nick just wrote the book on this, so, you know, he can jump in whatever and say, wrong! But um, the uh, classic is, uh, if you have a some kind of a UFO sighting, this is the UFO literature, at some point, uh, very soon after the sighting, somebody shows up at your door um, looking, as Nick has described and Chris has described, uh, and telling you, and some seemingly knowing everything about your personal life, and more importantly, every little detail of the sighting you had, repeats that back to you and tells and warns you not to talk to about talk about it to anyone. And then they drive away uh, or walk out the door, and the people look out the door, and the person isn't there right after they walked out the door. Or they go out to a car, and the car doesn't make any noise, or it has a sometimes they say it has some kind of strange glow inside. Anyway, there's a lot of very what's the word? Dream imagery, horror-like imagery, or whatever associated with it. Basically, yeah. a lot of destabilizing, dark uh, 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 things going on um, with people who might think they want to talk about their um, experience. Although, uh, Nick could probably speak to this. This is classic stuff from the 50s, 60s, all the stuff I read when I was a kid. Um, I, I don't know how that's changed in more modern times. Maybe Nick can talk about that. Well, I mean, most of the reports I get today are very much sort of fit the mold of the 50s. You know, I still get, I mean, I've done three books on the men in black. I've got one coming out shortly on women in black. And, and I probably get, um, I would say on average, about three to four men in black reports every week. Um, now, some of them are recent ones. Some of them wow. date back decades. Yeah, I was going to say, wait a minute, three or four a week? Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not kidding. And wow. that's, yeah, and most of them are along the lines of, you know, the fedora hat, the weird-looking, pasty, plastic-like skin that's sort of white, totally emotionless, and where there's very often a paranormal aspect to it as well. Um, for example, um, in some of the recent cases I've got, uh, which where people have actually seen Bigfoot and they've been visited by the men in black or dabbling with Ouija boards and other cases where um, there were things like uh, spontaneous outbreaks of uh, poltergeist activity. And so, in other words, most of the cases I get don't fall into like the secret agent kind of category. They still fall into the angle of the, the kind of thing that Bender was talking about in the 50s and Keel was talking about in the 60s. Do they Never. know about these things? Well, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry Chris. That they do in the sense that um, because people have been exposed to the Men in Black mystery through the, you know, through the movies. Um, so everybody knows the term Men in Black. But for the most part, you know, people just want to share the stories and say, you know, can you explain it? And I say, well, the best I can do is tell you that what you tell me parallels what I've heard in a lot of other cases, and, um, and which is true, you know. And so for that reason, um, we're clearly dealing with a phenomenon that hasn't really changed. We have Nick Redfern, we have Greg Bishop. With Gene and Chris, you're in... Paracasta. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. How would you like to make 17% on your money in only 90 days? That's right, gold owners made 17% in only three months as gold had its best quarterly gain in 30 years. Gold is on the move and you need to get government-issued legal tender gold coins starting at only $139 each. The U.S. Money Reserve, one of the largest gold distributors in the country, announces the first-ever at-cost gold release on this station for only $139 each. 1-866-944-GOLD or go online at usmoneyreserve.com. Official U.S. government-issued legal tender solid gold coins at cost for only $139 each. Call 1-866-944-GOLD. Ask for a free 55-page gold buyer's book. Plus, get a free Walking Liberty half dollar just for reading this must-have book all about gold. Remember, gold is on the move, up 17%. Call 1-866-944-GOLD. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Paracasta sounds like pasta. Paracasta? Paracasta. That's the Spanish version. Paracast-za. <laughs> it's either Italian or Spanish. I haven't figured it out yet. Well, it's in the know, language of Kayak, folks, which well, you would not know that unless you read the book Flying Saucers and the Three Men. But Nick was immersed in describing something. I want to finish that before Chris chimes in with a question. Well, yeah, I was just basically saying that, you know, the imagery that we have today is still the old imagery. And when Greg asked the question, you know, do people sort of know what they're talking about? Are they aware of these things? A lot of them are aware of the phenomenon through the movies. But, you know, a lot of people, I don't think, are aware that when they sort of relate certain little items that most people wouldn't pick up on, but I have picked on because, you know, they're sort of, you know, they're threads that run through a lot of cases, um, like the Ouija board angle. You know, I've got I've got probably now 10 or 11 cases of people who said, oh, you know, I was using a Ouija board and then, the next night, I was having this weird dream this guy in the bedroom wearing a black fedora hat. I've got so many cases like that that it goes beyond, for me at least, being a coincidence. So, um, you know, uh, people are seeing these things. They want answers, but yeah, and, and they haven't changed. As I said, it's, it, they're still Albert Bender's MIB from years ago. You know, and I should uh, chime in here, <laughs> to use your term, and point out that there's also in the 60s and 70s there was this veneer of 
of weirdness, like these beings or entities, whatever you want to call them, didn't seem to be comfortable in their own clothing or their skins. They would do things strangely. They had strange walks, uh, try to eat jello with a knife, or I think was in what a valet book. Yeah. In many cases, they were described as, as having kind of oriental features, which is uh, something that I think the average person who's heard the term men in black um, really is not aware of. And quite a number of cases have featured descriptions of pasty, white-skinned uh, beings, but they have oriental features, which uh, anybody want to care to comment on that? Uh, the only thing I can think of when I've read, read these things and what Chris is saying and at, at this point in my life is that maybe people are ascribing oriental features to something that I don't exactly know what an oriental feature is, or they get it from the movies or something like that. Um, the other weird thing that I, I was thinking of while Nick was talking is, how do the people know this stuff except, because I'm I'm really having a hard time with what's the reality of the men in black? I, I have a feeling they're kind of like Bigfoot, that they're kind of there when they're there, but when they're not, they're not, and they need somebody there to actually, in a lot of cases, if it is truly a paranormal type uh, experience, to sort of bring them into existence or at least have something to react against, if you see what I'm getting at. No, I totally understand. I mean, there actually are a couple of pointers in that direction, one being that it's almost as if the men in black, when they arrive, they turn up at the door literally out of nowhere, and then when they leave, they just flit out of reality. You know, there are cases of people racing to the door after they've gone. You know, they suddenly come out of this weird stupor and they race to the door and there's no sign of them. There's no footprints, there's no cars. They just, it's almost as if before they came through the door and left, and after they left the door, they didn't exist in some fashion. But one of the interesting theories that sort of ties in with what Greg said about tulpas and the idea that, you know, are they only sort of temporary manifestations? The one thread that runs through all the Men in Black reports is that they try and frighten people. Now, if you look at some of these stories about tulpas and thought forms, you know, one of, the th one of the theories is the idea that they sort of thrive on human emotion, you know, high states of emotion. So in that sense, you can make an argument, maybe the threat actually isn't a real threat. It's not designed to silence the person about talking about UFOs. Maybe the threat is designed to frighten the person, and then that allows them to sort of, in a parasitic fashion, feed on all that adrenaline and stress chemicals running around the body in a strange way, you know, presuming, of course, that's feasible. But, you know, I do sometimes wonder if the threat is like a ruse to, to provoke a sort of high state of emotion, which maybe is important to them in some fashion. Well, one thing that, yeah. that, that I've noticed in a lot of reports is that the men in black know details of an experience that in some cases has not even been told to another individual by the witness. So it's almost like they, they could read the, the witness's mind and they know facts that they that there's no way they could have gone to like a neighbor or to a friend and gotten that information because the witness will say, I never told anybody. And, and right after I had this experience, boom, these uh, these creepy, creepy guys showed up or yeah, women. Well, it sounds like it's yeah, it sounds like it's coming from, you know, if nobody else has been told, maybe a lot of it is coming from the, the person, but, but leaving out the fact, you know, whether there's an actual physical men in black there or not. It also brings what you just said, Chris, and, and uh, Nick, was something a, uh, another researcher told me recently about fear being a carrier wave for weirdness. Mm. 
Mm, well, that would make sense. You know, it, would, it yeah. would explain, as you said, Greg, about how the men in black would know um, all about your experiences because maybe that fear factor is sort of actually in some way responsible for creating the men in black in the first place, you know. So, of course, they're going to know, you know, what's going through your mind. Right, exactly. So he does go, but I mean, this is one of the things more than any, one, one aspect more than any other of the UFO subjects where it involves researchers and the witnesses. You know, if, in, if you look at somebody who's spoken, uh, you know, to an, uh, a researcher about a UFO incident they've had, well, the person telling the story has had the experience and the researcher is collecting and analyzing the data. But what you often find in men in black cases is that, you know, there are the witnesses who talk about their experiences, and then when researchers investigate the men in black, sometimes they, or quite often, they find themselves on right. the, so the end of the men in black as well. And that doesn't often happen in, like, abductions or contactee cases. It's like the researcher and the witness is separate. You know, like the police interviewing a, a victim of a crime. But not, not with the men in black. You know, it very often is the case that... Um, you know, the researchers start getting weird phone calls or somebody stops outside the house and takes a photograph, you know, all sorts of strange things like that, which I know Greg's had. Let me ask you a quick question here, Nick. The people you've talked to who have encountered some kind of man in black or men in black or women in black phenomenon, were they previously familiar with the legend of the men in black before they had this experience? Or was it new to them? It, it was only, well... It wasn't new to them in the sense that they knew of the movies, but they didn't have, for the most part, preconceived knowledge of, you know, the whole history of the Men in Black. You know, a, a couple of them said, I'm obviously, I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but I know a couple of them said stuff like, I saw a couple of Men in Black or they visited me, and they were, you know, straight out of the movies, that kind of thing. So they knew who they were because... There was this sudden in the mid in the mid to late nineties, this sudden shift where everybody had heard of the Men in Black. You see what I mean? But certainly the ones I've spoken to who made the analogy between the movie versions, they didn't know anything about or never even mentioned, you know, the weirder aspects. It was just they were in black suits and they threatened me. You know, they were the Men in Black. So, um, but again, you know, that's that's one of the awkward things when you're trying to study these cases is because, you know, it's better that. Pre nineties, you know, you could say, okay, someone says more credible, but you could analyze it easier without the sort of infection, if you like, caused by the movies, which led everybody on the planet to have heard of the Men in Black. It's funny how memes can propagate. <laughs> mm. But I mean, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if Greg wants to talk about his own, you know, that sort of weird stuff that happened and whatever. You know what? Let's well, have Greg talk about that. In our next segment, this way it gives people time to take a breather, him time to take a breather, and rehearse his best PowerCast stinger yet. So we'll be back with Nick and Greg Bishop. And reminder, if you want to learn more about the PowerCast Plus and all the great stuff we offer, check out plus.thepowercast.com, plus.thepowercast.com. We tell you how to join the features and so much more to come. With Nick and Gene and Chris and Greg, you're in the Paracast.
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. As if chlorine in our water weren't bad enough, now they're adding ammonia? It's true. Some municipalities are now adding ammonia plus chlorine to your water supply. It's a disinfectant called chloramine. But with a trusted Big Berkey water filter, you can keep chloramine out of your water. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show EPA Berkey water filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria and viruses, all forms of fluoride, and much more. Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market. The gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get your Big Berkey today. Call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. I'm Jesse Gonzalez, Vice President of Kmart. Did you know that premature birth is the number one killer of babies in the United States, or that survivors can face a lifetime of serious health problems? But you can help. Join me in Kmart for the March for Babies Walk. We'll work together to raise funds for research and programs that help the marginalized fight premature birth and birth defects and improve the health of moms and babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com.
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we have Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop, Gene and Chris. Greg? Uh, Nick asked me to describe my, um, my... It wasn't really a Men in Black, because I've never really had a Men in Black uh, episode, but I did have a, a, par- a paranoid period of my life, which lasted for about a year, and I referred to this a little bit earlier. What it was is that uh, this guy from Naval Intelligence started telling me things. He started telling me that people could look at my computer when I was on the computer. They could watch me anytime they wanted. Anyway, he just got me worked up into a paranoid frenzy. Uh, the funny thing was, stuff started happening. And I'll give you a couple examples. One, mail started being uh, opened and, and uh, intercepted by, at the, you know, before it got to my post office box, which hadn't happened before. And it was completely unrelated to this Navy guy. It was um, Carla Turner and uh, Peter Jordan, was a, who Chris knows about. He was a cattle mutilation researcher. Every envelope I got from those two people were either destroyed, opened, or something, which means that somebody was trying to let me know that, they're, that they were watching that mail because you can open mail, not have anybody know. The other thing I think Nick was referring to is uh, one time I was sitting in my front room and I looked out in the front and there was a guy sitting across the street in the car looking in our front window of our apartment on the ground floor. And when I went up to the window to see what was going on, he took a picture and drove away. Now, I suppose he could have been a real estate person or something. I don't know. No, he was a fan, um, Greg. Come on. He was a fan. Right. He I wanted to actually come and buy a copy of Greg's book, It Defies Language. No, this is before that book came out. Oh, well. Maybe he knew the book would come out one of these days. He was a time traveler. The other thing is I started getting phone calls all day and night. um, That would, you know, I'd pick up the phone and there'd be either no nothing or a strange noise. And I'd hang the phone up. No heavy breathing? No, no heavy breathing. Unfortunately, I didn't uh, get any any heavy breathers. Usually you don't have women heavy breathers, but whatever. No, it's well, that would be like fun. Even, yeah. Then I'd stay on the line, you know. But um, the, uh, <laughs> it would be like a buzzing or some like weird noise, and I would get paranoid and go, oh, my God, this is the, uh, this is the tone that's going to take over my mind and make me go, you know, kill the president or something, you know, a la Manchurian candidate. And the final thing, I'm trying to think of the final thing that really freaked me out. Oh, I talked about this in the book. I was working at night in my house, and I'll make this short, in my apartment. Um, there was an apartment upstairs that was exactly the same floor plan as mine. This is like 2 in the morning. Everybody's asleep. I'm, I'm working on my computer, working on excluded middle. I get up and walk out of my room, and I notice that my landlord, whoever lived, was up there, because my landlord lived there, walked out of that room upstairs the same time I did. And I walked back to the back bedroom, and that person upstairs walked back to the back bedroom. And I thought, huh, weird coincidence. And then for the next probably five minutes or more, whoever it was up there went everywhere I went in the house. Really weird. I mean, I really started getting freaked out. And so finally I ran into my computer. And for some reason, the first thing I remembered is people can read. The guy told me people can read what's on your computer screen. I typed in in really large letters. I like called up Microsoft Word or something, put a really large font. I typed in, I know what you're doing. Stop it. And it stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. And hey, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not uh, mimicking your every movement. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, well, this is why I was talking about, you know, being in kind of a paranoid state of mind and what happens, and, you know, you really can't tell what's real anymore, at least real to somebody outside of your mindset or what's going on to you personally. It doesn't mean it's not real and not real for you. I mean, this, this is getting into very weird uh, definitions about real reality and all that. But at the finally, I got tired of being scared all the time, so I just said, look, I'm just going to stop being scared. I don't care what's going on. Nobody's hurting me. Nobody's threatened me. So I'm just going to assume that everything's fine. And within a month or so, all the stuff stopped. <laughs> and cool. They stopped opening the mail. You know, I, didn't, I stopped getting the phone calls. Now, so, you know, what happened there? Obviously, phone calls and ma- getting stuff in the mail is not something I imagined. But when I made the decision to stop being paranoid, the paranoid stuff stopped. Really weird. Well, you know, that's interesting. It reminds me of the only MIB case that I ever, uh, and I wouldn't even call it an MIB case. It's just a sort of ancillary to the to the actual case, which is one of two abduction uh, cases um, that I actually ever, you know, were presented uh, in 13 years in the San Luis Valley. And, you know, I, I, I bring this up because, Nick, you mentioned that abductees uh, rarely, um, to my knowledge, if ever, have gotten uh, threatened by MIB-type characters. And this particular woman um, was having contact with uh, supposed uh, ET beings, and she was okay with it. In fact, uh, she had an ET lover, according to her, and the one aside that I just (laughs) can't help but mentioning is that she really liked it when he dressed up in this gold lame cape because it reminded her of Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) But at one point when she was waiting for, um, I think it was copies of some of her medical files about a missing third trimester pregnancy. And there's, it, it goes on to, a you know, it's quite an involved story, but at one point, she noticed that her mail had been intercepted and she wasn't getting mail that, you know, she should have gotten from from family and friends and stuff. And uh, one day she was looking out down her long driveway, which is about a quarter mile long. She, she, you know, was a rancher woman and had a horse ranch. And she noticed at the end of her driver, she said it was like this old Cadillac, uh, if I remember correctly. And she said these two guys were out there and she said it was like the Blues Brothers were going through her mailbox and all her mail. She described them as the Blues Brothers. And when she ran down there and started yelling, they'd quickly jump into the car and, and sped away. And she actually filed a report with the post office about, you know, people, you know, rifling through her mail and, um, and actually made a file, um, a report to the local county sheriff's office, which, which I was able to corroborate. So there's a case of, of an alleged abductee or contactee, if you will, uh, <laughs> that had the Blues Brothers, uh, you know, M- MIB types, uh, rifling through her mailbox. <laughs> I love it. She actually, she actually stopped getting her mail at her house and got a P.O. box in town as a result of that. <laughs> Don't all talk at once. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 it wasn't really an MIB thing, but it just it, it just – it just illustrates that when you get into kind of a weird frame of mind and weird state and weird, I don't know what it is, you enter some like weirdness field, it starts to feed on itself. And like I said, maybe fear is part of the carrier wave for that. It basically uh, amplifies it and gives it power. Well, yeah, I she mean, was... that sort of does tie in, you know, with some of the stuff about thought forms and tulpas and, you know, um, 
and just sort of the, the you know the fear factor like Bender I think I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Albert Bender got so many weird men in black experiences when he was someone who lived a life filled with stress a life filled with paranoia and well not say life for but I mean during those formative years in ufology when he was very stressed yeah. out frightened by it all fearful you know developed this fear of, of cancer and and you he know, lived in his, in his in, mother's in attic, attic. You know, <laughs> living in an attic. Let's do our break here. We have Nick Redfern. We have Greg Bishop. We have Gene and Chris looking at the men or the things in black. You're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro 1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com or 800-544-3533. You've seen crazy diets to lose weight. At GCN Team, our healthy body weight loss system simply neutrifies the body, bringing down cravings. It has been proven that nutritional deficiencies drive appetite for carbs, sugars, and fats. Lose weight the easy way. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Fighting cravings is a fool's game. Give the body what it needs to be satisfied. Again, 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 Pain Relief Hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait you can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. Did you know a dirty CPAP system can make you sick? If you knew what could be growing in your mask and hose, you might not sleep so well. But now, SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It kills 99.9% of all CPAP germs, and it's completely hands-free. For a limited time, you can try SoClean risk-free for 30 days. Just call 1-800-900-0684. SoClean changed the CPAP experience for the better. My health has improved. It's simple to use, and I'm not worried about infections. SoClean destroys CPAP bacteria, viruses, and germs with no hassle. Never have to clean your machine by hand again. There's no water, chemicals, or disassembly. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto, your CPAP system is clean and fresh in minutes. Call SoClean.com to try it risk-free at home for 30 days. This is a limited-time offer, only available by calling one 800 900 That's 1-800-900-0684. 
I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shot the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. That's Porky, I mean Nick Redfern. With Greg Bishop and Gene and Chris. By the way, Greg is on the road with his cell phone. So if it sounds a little I bit stopped. warbly, it's because he's I, underwater. I stopped at, stopped at a uh, scenic spot, and I'm, I'm sitting still here in the car. So I'm trying to hold it together here, uh, Gene and Chris. You're doing good, bro. You're doing good. So let's go on. Chris, any questions from our listeners of Nick? Yeah, we do. There's actually several uh, really good ones. This one comes from Blowfish, Nick, and, of course, he's been a longtime poster at the Paracast. He just went over the 2000 postmark. And that's the, just last week. Well, no. He's he's been around for six years, and uh, he's always asking good questions. He's from Whittingham in England, and uh, he's wondering, Nick, do you, have you heard of any MIB sightings or alleged encounters near or in the location of Bentwaters, or any other military bases from where eyewitness accounts were fielded of poltergeist activity? Or how about slender shadowmen sightings by eyewitnesses prior to UFO events? He said one part of the question related to poltergeist activity. Is that what you said? Yeah, or any other military bases from eyewitness accounts of poltergeist activity, slender or shadowmen well, I have actually got a few cases, like as I mentioned earlier, I think perhaps 10, 11, 12, something like that, of people um, who had uh, MIB experiences. You know, they'd seen a UFO, had some sort of alien encounter. The men in black turned up, and then after they'd gone, sometimes it was a period of hours, sometimes a couple of days, there were periodic um, experiences of poltergeist activity in the home, like something flying across a table or a picture just falling off suddenly. Uh, off a table or doors slamming, things like that. Right. And there's enough cases, you know, 12, 13 is not a lot, but when they're coming from people who I'm sure, you know, were telling the truth and didn't know anybody else, you know, who's telling the same story, they just wanted answers. You know, I think we're seeing a pattern there. Now, as far as the whole issue of Bentwaters and the Rendlesham Forest case is concerned, I'm not personally aware of any men in black cases, but what I do know is that um, if you read um, Larry Warren and Peter Robbins' book, Left at Eastgate, you know, there's, there's some indications in there of 
of both men, both Larry and Peter, being monitored at various points over the years and watched. Now, I don't think we can blame those on sort of the more paranormal men in black. I think that probably actually is, you know, far more to do with concerns over the airmen at the base and who they're talking to and about what. Um, so that's, that's probably the closest I can think of. But um, as far as, you know, MIB sightings around military bases, no, I don't, I don't really, as far as I can remember, I don't have any like that. that sort of yeah, I'm not familiar with any either. How about you, yeah. Greg? MIB, MIB cases? Around, around military bases? Right. Um, none, none come to mind. The only thing I think, and we haven't really brought up, was that in an early interview I had with Bill Moore, he said that the Men in Black thing was seized upon by the Air Force and other intelligence agencies early on. You know, they glommed onto it and then just sent people out that sort of fit the same description and acted the same way just to mess with people and get uh, UFO sighting information out more, at least any UFO sightings in military bases so they could, you know, tell one, find out what they saw, and two, tell them to shut up about it. Let me ask you a quick question, Greg, though. In light of some of the things we later learned about Bill Moore, why believe anything he says? I don't know. And every time somebody asks me that, I tell them, Bill Moore's my friend. He hasn't lied to me yet. And if you think I'm deluded it's, and it's, he's a big fat liar and uh, I shouldn't believe anything he says, then I'm sorry. I know him. And it's, uh, that's my opinion. No, that's fine. Nobody is attacking you for that. I was just asking. It seemed a sensible question. In, the, in my non-attack mode, I will say that, I'll repeat, I've known Bill since 1988, I think. I've never caught him saying anything to me that either wasn't true or didn't turn out to be true later. So I'm going to have to go with the track record of him communicating with me. 28 years. If he, yeah, <laughs> if, he can't, if he tells me something, if he ever tells me something that's not true, I guess I, you know, throw everything else into... In, into uh, doubt, but so far everything is checked out, and um, you know I don't know about other people, but he's always been straight with me. Is he totally out of it, or what? Yeah, it has, yeah, for, it has for, been for, for years. I was wondering, yeah, yeah I, whether I talk to him every, every once in a while, every so often, probably every few months, and he, if I mention UFO stuff, he will generally change the subject. So, yeah, he's he's pretty well sick of it, doesn't want to talk about it anymore, not really interested in it anymore. And he, you know, like he said years ago, I, I found out as much as I could, and it wasn't really a whole hell of a lot of anything important that I really needed or anybody else did. So, But it was a fun adventure. I think that's basically his attitude now. Well, let bygones be bygones, I guess. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, why don't you finish your thought, and then I'll go on to another blowfish question. No, I, I finished my thought. Please go on with the listener questions. Okay. Uh, you know, Gene just uh, corrected me. Blowfish is from Whittingham, Australia. My apologies. <laughs> I should have known that. Oh, ouch. Um, okay. We're giving him a smack in the head. That's what we're doing there. I reached my hand through my iMac and connect with Chris's iMac ouch. and hits him in the head. Ow. Damn. Okay. Uh, tell us, tell us, do Johnics. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, Nick, did uh, Mr. Alfred K. Bender have any interest in, in poltergeist activity? And then the follow up to that is did he ever work for the U.S. Defense Force? Um, well, he was certainly in the military in the Second World War, but I mean, there's nothing strange about that because he was born in. 1921, so, you know, when America joined the war in 
um, 41, he would have been 19 or 20. So, you know, it's natural that he would have a background, you know, we're fighting against Hitler. Uh, but not beyond that, no. Um, so he was in the Eastern of, Eastern Theatre or uh, in, in Europe? I'm honestly not sure where he was, but I mean, he, he did serve, you know, his country during the Second World War. I, I mean, that's a fact. You can actually find pictures of him online in his uniform as well. Um, and um, if you, you know, if you look at his story, I mean, he was heavily involved in um, paranormal activity. I mean, for example, the, the book I've got coming out, Women in Black, that actually opens with a story from Bender, how he talked about how back in the 1930s when he was a little kid, the family would talk about the woman in black that would visit family members, you know, which is kind of ironic that uh, he's famous for the men in black. But um, if you've seen the men in black, excuse me, the woman in black movie, she was kind of like that, like this gliding spectral figure that would, you know, hover over the bed in the middle of the night. Um, so he was into that. He was heavily into alchemy. He was very interested in alchemy. You know, the, um, the whole issue of sort of transmuted of metals into, you know, base metals into precious metals, that kind of thing. Um, he was also, I forget what it's called, Greg might know the name, but it's where, it's where people sort of hang like a key or something over a Bible and look for certain phrases. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I know about it. Yeah, Bible, man. Yeah. No idea. But I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay, well, Bender used to do that. It was to sort of get, you know, it was almost like divining almost. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a divination and, tool, like yeah, pendulum magic. And, yeah, and it, yeah. It, as I said, he was heavily involved in the UFO subject, but also, like I said, paranormal stuff. He had this supernatural altar, as he called it, in his attic. You know, of all places to sleep in the attic. Um, and as I said, he changed it into this chamber of horrors. Um, and, he, and he was well-versed in just about every aspect of the paranormal, you know, like I said, he wasn't a dabbler. He wasn't like, you know, somebody today who thinks they know all about the occult because they wear a Marilyn Manson t-shirt and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that. Bender was actually very clued up on all this. And, um, and well, maybe he... that's why he had the experiences because he wasn't a dabbler. He knew how to, you know, okay, you're, you're kind of hinting around at some ritual magic knowledge. Let's ask about the ritual magic knowledge, real or imagined. We have Greg Bishop, Nick Redfern, Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien. You're in El Paracasto. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast.
So we're in the store of the Paracast or something like that. I haven't figured this out yet. No, that was definitely Spanish. Okay. Definitely. I have to ask my son, Grayson, because I don't know much of Spanish. Well, he forgot to roll his R's. Paracasto. El Paracasto. There we go. <laughs> and we need to call on Red Pill Junkie. He would show us the way. Yeah. yeah. Greg's illustrator for his new book, It Defies Language, which is one of the best books to come out in recent memory on this whole convoluted subject. I'm sure Nick's uh, forthcoming books are going to be right there among them, but uh, I'll tell you, he's he's quite the artist. Well, you should get. Uh, you should, we should we should get into a discussion of Greg's book. It's a good one. It, yeah, uh, I was already on the show talking about the book, but if Chris wants to mention something, that's fine. But, uh, well, I'm I'm just about. I'm having so much fun going through it, Greg. I mean, there are some real pearls pearls and uh, pearls of wisdom and just gems of insight. I I don't know how else to put it. It's it's definitely not your normal normal book, <laughs> which is really cool in my book. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I mean, I, I, I've just I am out, indeed. Uh, I just put out a um, or turned in a Kindle edition with about seventy more pages of stuff. So that oh, really? that'll be re- yeah that'll be released in about two weeks. It's got an extra Red Pill Junkie uh, illustration featuring Paul Kimball. <laughs> And um, a lot of the illustrations that I had in there actually found color versions of them because in Kindle you could put in color illustrations. So I got a color picture of Jamie Chandray and and some other things. But yeah, there's there's definitely uh, it's an eighty eight thousand uh, word book now where it used to be like a seventy two thousand word book. So I added quite a lot wow. of stuff. Are you going to restore that to the print edition? Uh, no, because it would make the book like 330 pages, and I don't want anybody to have to go through a 330-page book. Whereas Kindle, in a, um, a digital format, it's not that big of a deal, and you can go through it at your leisure. It's not, you don't have to carry around this horse-chokingly big book. Um, also, I, like I, uh, I think I mentioned this before, I, I wanted to make people interested to buy the Kindle, too, because there's extra stuff in it. It's like half the price, so whatever. I'm, I'm a just good marketing strategy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just marketing. I mean, as, as, as mercenary, I, that's probably as mercenary as I ever get, I hope. Yeah, mercenary and Greg Bishop are not two uh, you know, terms that you hear uh, together in the same sentence ever. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, I, or, or, I, I, or, or for that matter, Nick, because everything Nick comes yeah. out with is like you know is is right on and and needs needs to be there. And I mean, Nick, God bless you, man. Keep keep it up. I don't know how you do it, but but you know, no, how many books are you going to have out in the last year? He works, he's the hardest working man in ufology. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I do it because I enjoy it. You know, if the passion wasn't there for it, I couldn't just do it sort of cynically. You know what I mean? So I, I feel. Yeah. I feel sort of driven to do what I do, but as Greg knows, you know, and a lot of people know, I like to keep it structured, and I think if I did it sort of 24-7, I'd be burned out, and I would be done with it. You know, I like to sort of do 8 to 5, Monday to Friday, have evenings off, hit the town, and the same on weekends, you know, and I have a total normal life away from it all. Uh, yeah, and occasionally I, go out for a bender. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then... Um, <laughs> And then, um, you know, it's sort of a case then Monday morning, I like to sort of get back to it, eight to five. And I just, you know, I try and, you know, present things that I think hopefully people will will enjoy, but also 
be sort of, you know, sort of provoke thoughts and ideas as to what's going on. And that's why, you know, I don't sort of, I mean, I could just spend endless time, you know, doing a book on Roswell or an A to Z of UFO crashes or something, but there really wouldn't be anything new to it. So I like to sort of, like with the women in Black Book or, or whatever, you know, come up yeah, with something, come something new that's going to hopefully well, you know, present pe- people with something they haven't seen before. And um, and a lot of the stuff I'm interested in is sort of the more alternative aspects of ufology and cryptozoology in the sense that, um, you know, that's why I don't get booked for a lot of the mainstream UFO conferences because the last thing they want to hear is me talking about tulpas and UFOs, which yeah. is unfortunate. You know, what they want instead is crashed metal ships and Area 51 and reverse engineering. But, you know, they're going to get from me tulpas and you know sort of summoning up men in black and all that business which they don't want you know the uh, at certain conferences so. but that's all right i don't mind being uh, the alternative one in the crowd that's fine <laughs> I, I know the feeling believe me and i know greg does too now nick i wanted to ask you here briefly about the women in black because we hear so much about the man in black and you've done a book that we'll see la la. soon Oh, I don't even want to go into that. All right, can you give us a briefing about women in black? Oh, well, I can actually tell you a lot about women in black, but you're talking about the ones in the book. <laughs> Obviously, we want to sell the book, but give people a preview. Make them curious. Okay. Well, Build a yeah, well, buzz. There's the, women, there's the women in black I go into town with on a Saturday night, you know, but they're totally different. They're goths. They're not... You know, they're not women in black, women in black. But uh, Well, they are, but you know what I mean. I'm rambling. <laughs> uh, anyway, the book's called Women in Black, and it'll be out very soon. And basically, it's a study of the, the female equivalent of the men in black. And, um, and they're actually very similar, almost, you know, identically in terms of their sort of operations. They turn up uh, when people had UFO encounters. They threaten them. They sometimes try and find a way into the people's homes by using um, claims, you know, that they're, they're census takers and things like that. There's a spate of encounters in England in the 80s and 90s where they claimed to be social workers, where they, they said, you know, that the neighbours had reported, you know, abuse of the children and things like that, you know, sort of, you know, the parents beating them up or whatever. And... Um, and they were described as sort of like pale and these sometimes wearing long black wigs. And um, and there's a lot of creepy stories in that book. Just like Albert Bender's Men in Black, they turn up in paranormal situations, even in relation to cryptozoological creatures. And um, But again, there's, you know, there's not a single case in the book at all where they sound like, you know, sort of Agent Scully, you know, from the X-Files. There's not one that's like that. All of them are sort of tied in with paranormal phenomena, but there's a weird aspect to every one of them. So, you know, we're talking about um, people who've had abduction cases, contactee cases, um, people who um, had had sort of encounters, you know, just seen a UFO in the sky and they were visited. Um, some of the cases were significant. Others you just wouldn't give a second thought to, but though, even those witnesses got visits. And um, and like the men in black, they typically wait to be invited before they come in the house. Um, it sounds so, like a know, vampire. That's actually what they, a lot of these stories do. They sound like upgraded versions of old vampire tales. And um, But there's... You know, there's not a single case, like I said in the book, which isn't sort of steeped in 
weirdness. Um, and again, hopefully, you know, it'll open people's eyes to the idea that, wow, this is another component to the UFO mystery that, not completely, but largely, or to a significant degree, has been overlooked. You know, John Keel talked about a, a few sort of mystery women in black in, uh, in a couple of his books, but it, it's never sort of really been expanded on because I think a lot of the times people just don't make the connection, you know. Well, you know, a quick question. Are these pri primarily cases from, uh, from the United Kingdom and from America? Or do we have some from elsewhere, from South America, from uh, possibly somewhere else in Western Europe, Asia? Um, where, where do most of these reports originate? Well, most of the ones I've got are from the United States and the UK. But in saying that, you know, most of the reports I get of cryptids and anything else are usually from the US and the UK because, you know, they're English language speaking and they're sort of plugged into the UFO subject quite extensively. So I don't think it's not because there is a shortage of reports, but I'm guessing, you know, for the most part, maybe somebody in France reports their sighting to a French researcher, you know what I mean? I think it's, I think there's actually sort of a down-to-earth reason for that. But I have got a few foreign cases in the book. There's one from Mexico, one from Vietnam, and there's one from Puerto Rico that I investigated actually personally when I was out there in 2005 with Paul Kimball. Well, we, we have a question here from Valerie, who's a fairly new sign-up at forum.theparacast.com, where you can uh, post questions for our guests. And she's wondering uh, about audiobooks. She she just, uh, let's see, I think it was Blood of the Gods or one, one of your, your new newer books, she uh, listened to in audio format and just absolutely loved it. And she's wondering if you're planning on, on going back through your catalog or releasing uh, other versions of your work in, in an audio format. Let's have that answer in our next segment with Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop, Gene, and Chris. Whoever wants to do this, one can. You're in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com host. When I was 15 and a half years of age, I had two large mercury fillings put into my teeth. I got very sick that day, and over time, the mercury exposure damaged my body. My sunny disposition turned to depression and low energy. Many years later, I understood what had happened, and in 1991, I replaced these mercury fillings with white composite. 
1997, I learned that the homeopathic mercury detox I did years earlier did not remove the mercury from my body. I began an effective means of removing mercury from my body. My digestion and elimination returned to normal, and I began to have my life back. From 1999 to 2005, I tested the level of mercury in my body, and each test showed my mercury burden was high. After five years on One World Way, I recently did another mercury test. The results showed my body is free of mercury and virtually all toxic metals. One World Way is very powerful for detoxification support. It has helped many, and it may help you. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We've got Greg Bishop, Nick Redfern, Gene, and Chris. Started with Albert K. Bender, moved on to the three men in black and the women in black. Nick was asked a question about recording audiobooks. Well, that was good to know that the Valley enjoyed it, because I like to get feedback on, on the audiobooks. Um, basically, it's sort of a tricky situation, because a couple of my earlier books were... Um, available on audio, or still are, one of them being uh, Pyramids in the Pentagon, and just recently, Bloodline of the Gods, and the one that I've got coming out imminently, Weapons of the Gods, that'll actually also be out in audio format in about a, a month's time. And both of those, Bloodline and Weapons of the Gods, you can buy them on in audible form off Amazon, or you can buy them as a box set of CDs as well. Now, when Valerie asked the question about, you know, will I be going through my back catalogue, I, I probably won't. The reason being that the spin-offs, the, the audio spin-offs, actually aren't done by me. They're, that's actually done between the publisher and co- uh, companies that they contract to do the audio recording for them. So, in other words, it's out of my hands as to, you know, they have the, in terms of the, the rights in the contract, they have the rights to you know, right. to sort of market the book to like a German publisher or a French publisher or to an audio publisher. Now, I mean, I could arrange for someone to do it, but I'm guessing it would be quite a lot of money, really, to sort of hire someone to read every one of my books and then, you know, have to... It would be cool if you did it, if you recorded it. I'd, I'd definitely... You see, otherwise that. I'd volunteer, but I think it would be special, extra special, to have Nick Redfern do his own books. That's what should happen. Yeah, well... <laughs> I, I don't think Nick's going to be able to do it in Mandarin, though. That's the problem. No. You know, I mean, if, if the publishers keep want to keep putting them out, I'm happy with that. You know, I think because it, if I think it's a cool format. You know, people like to listen to audiobooks. I don't think I'd really want to have to do it myself. I just don't have the patience for things like that. I'm sort of the wrong person to ask, really. It would drive me insane having to read, you know, my own books for... 30-something books across <laughs> a couple of months. I'd be like, I'd be blowing yeah. my brains out at the end of it, you know. <laughs> I, I haven't even read my books. <laughs> Imagine reading them back to yourself yeah. in, in front of a microphone. Ooh. I tell you what, I actually did a few audiobooks for the educational market back in the mid-70s. Somebody was publishing this set of books, and I was doing the pre-press work on it, and then he said, well, you're a radio broadcaster. Why don't you 
do the audiobooks and I looked at him and this is dull stuff. It's not like, you know, one of these page turners like Greg or Nick would write. This was dull. And I did it and it was painful. Just Vowed to, never to do an audiobook again. Well, I'll, I'll get you to do uh, Stalking uh, the Herd. How's that? You can go through chapter after chapter of, of case after case after case. You see, I do this ahead of the rest home. <laughs> I know that Greg wouldn't let me read his, uh, I know he wouldn't if I asked him. He wouldn't let me read his most famous book because I keep calling it Project Beta. <laughs> Beta. Beta, Beta. Project Beta. Beta. <laughs> Beta. Beta. How, do say, beta. how do you say it? Beta. 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 Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, yeah. 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 And after you beta, like then it. what do you do to her? Yeah, but I would uh, say beta. So it, wouldn't, it wouldn't sound right. So. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be perfect. Anytime anybody reads anything in English in a British accent, no matter what area of the country you're from, Americans automatically think it's got more weight and intellectual heft behind it. Right. Gravitas. <laughs> That's it. Grava who? Gra- gravitas. I know. I'm just yeah. kidding. It's got a more integritas uh, behind it. Well, would you like another question from uh, one of our posters here at forum.theparacast.com? Yeah, why not? Okay. This one comes from William Strathman. And he's wondering if you are familiar with Bryce Zabel's experience, which Robbie Graham mentioned here on the Paracast. And, uh, and there are many MIB reports of a similar nature, he's wondering. Um, I actually haven't heard of that one, no. Wow. <laughs> Why don't you uh, let Gene fill you in on all the details? Okay. You want to talk more, Chris. Why don't you do it? Well, he, uh, he, of course, uh, for our, you know our new listeners, Bryce Abel uh, co-produced a program, uh, a TV series for NBC back in the '90s called Dark Skies, yep. and he was visited by what appeared to him to be um, civilian attired military type um, operatives, who um, kind of told him that he was on the right track and and kind of hinted around that maybe uh you know he should um I, I forget the details of exactly what they said but uh uh there was no question in bryce's mind at least uh, according to my memory of his recounting the uh uh the visit uh actually and it was uh several visits i think they wanted to meet him in some weird place and and he didn't want to go and and he 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 actually kind of blew it off and and they were actually fairly persistent. I think they contacted him on at least two or three occasions. And the last occasion, he he just got too freaked out by the whole thing and, and just refused to, to talk to them. Uh, Gene, do you remember exactly what it was that they were, they were talking about? I, I, for some reason, my mind goes blank um, when I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what their apparent agenda was uh, in speaking with him. It wasn't like cease and desist, but it was, it was almost like he, they were saying, yeah, you're on the right track, but we really know what's going on. And if you really want to know, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, I think that's largely it. Yeah. You know, it's one it, of those things that happens every so often. You meet somebody who claims to know something and then for whatever reason, nothing ever happens. Nothing comes out of it. 
Yeah, well, they, they were. That's actually part of the phenomenon right there, where you find yourself with the same, with somebody who claims to have knowledge of something, and they sought you out, and they're ready to get your set for this, and then at the critical moment, their history. Well, he blew him off. He wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't do the final meeting where they were supposed to come up with some sort of something for him, and 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 he was just too freaked out by it. You know, people have often asked me about my um, investigative work and whether I've, you know, had any sort of experiences with Men in Black. I've mentioned on the show a number of times about the four black-clad individuals that waltzed into my house thinking nobody was home and went through my files, and I was in the next room freaking out. Uh, my girlfriend's daughter was upstairs, you know, <laughs> shaking under the covers in her bunk bed. And uh, one of the guys actually came up to the upstairs and looked around. And, and uh, according to Brisa, he had these kind of things on his face. Almost it sounded like night vision goggles. Um, I have never been in, personally, you know, had somebody knock at the door dressed in black. But I had a man in beige that really freaked me out. <laughs> I can yeah, just this- see right now the song "We Are the Men in Beige," the Galaxy Protectors. Doesn't well, work. Doesn't work. He was wearing a safari, you know, you know, intelligence operative suit and had the brush cut and the military, you know, bearing and the whole thing. He was doing NLP, uh, neuro linguistic programming, power moves on me as we were talking. And the only time that uh, my girlfriend ever, you know, had a problem was somebody who had come to the house. The hundreds and hundreds of people that have tramped through the house over the years, uh, whether it's, you know, the the media types or, you know, people visiting or, you know, you know whomever. Uh, there were a lot of people that went through. And she was very, very gracious and she was very, very accommodating. And the only time she ever had a problem with anybody is is this guy, this man in beige. I even have I still have his business card. He was a director for the Institute of Social Architecture. Uh, go figure that one out um and uh he was leaving just as as isadora was coming in and she came in her eyes eyes were blazing saying i did not get a good feeling who was that i don't ever want to see him here again i hope that didn't end the relationship chris but we have to end this segment okay almost with gene chris greg and nick you're in the barricade If you're fascinated by UFOs, ancient aliens, archaeological mysteries, ghost hunting, Atlantis, and any other paranormal topic as we are, be sure to check out APMagazine.info each month. Since 1985, it has presented the latest research by top researchers like Andrew Collins, Brad Steiger, and many others, and contains interviews with such leading personalities as Jacques Vallée. Check, click on one of their banners and check out APMagazine.info. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com host. 
it's about time something new came along for better selling and buying online. And I found it. What now, Marge? It's buysellmakeoffer.com. Never heard of it. It's a brand new company. That's why you've never heard of it. It's the newest and best way to sell any products online. I did all the research. Sell my car? Yes. Our home? Yep. My golf bag? Your golf clubs. All of them. How about your purse collection hoard? Hey, now. You said any product. Right. I did. Hmm. We get 30 days free. Really? Packages starting from only $7.95. And buysellmakeoffer.com will never charge item fees ever. Mm. Never. And this is cool. Listen to this. You can even use Skype or video to show your items. That's cool. Yes. All we have to do is go to the website, sign up, and then load our stuff to sell. I love this site. Buysellmakeoffer.com. Buysellmakeoffer.com. You got it? Buysellmakeoffer.com. Buy, sell, makeoffer.com better selling better buying we use mobile devices right against our bodies every day but growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to emf radiation emitted from these devices the solution is defender shield the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed defender shield blocks virtually 100 of emf radiation from cell phones tablets and laptops and starts at just 64.99 buy now at defendershield.com for 10 percent off use promo code gcn defendershield.com the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding Today, how to incorporate your business in just 10 minutes so you won't lose everything if you get sued. Step 1. Stop putting it off. If you're not incorporated and someone sues your business tomorrow, it's not just your business at risk. You can lose everything. Your home, your car, even your life savings. Step 2. Call the following number for a free 10-minute incorporation guide from Incorporate.com. 1-800-941-5257. They don't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating quick and easy. So you can incorporate or form an LLC in just 10 minutes. That number again is 1-800-941-5257. Step 3. Congratulate yourself. By taking just 10 minutes to incorporate your business or form an LLC, you protected your home, your car, and your life savings. And that is how you incorporate your business in just 10 minutes. But hurry while they're still giving away these 10-minute incorporation guides for free. Call 1-800-941-5257. That's 1-800-941-5257. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, it's laughter again, regaling ourselves with laughter. We're laughing at ourselves because we're too tragic. We're all tragic figures here. Speak for yourself, dude. Oh, I resemble that remark. So we all started out with men in black and women in black and Greg Bishop and Nick Redfern. And again, Nick has a book coming out called The Women in Black. When's that going to be out, my friend? Um, Probably, I think, uh, well, actually, the Kindle's already up. But um, the paperback, I think, probably 
a couple more weeks yet because I've actually coincidentally just today had the bound proofs come through just so I can have one last look. Basically, you know, with the proofs, it's sort of the it's a finished edition, you know, but um, I've just got to go through it and check it for make sure that the type colouring all looks good and the pictures are reproduced properly. So when I get that back to them in the next week or so, I think it'll be sort of a couple more weeks where they get all the distribution and everything else set up and uh, and then it should be good to go sometime after that. At least your publisher sends it to you. My publisher didn't even show me mine. <laughs> he signed off on it for me. Don't oh, go wow. with them again. I don't plan to. Oh, yeah, make sure everything's in place, yeah. <laughs> or you can self-publish like I did and have all the headaches uh, fall right on you. Yeah, well, it's then again, you know, I think me and Greg were talking about this the other day. I mean, self-publishing, I mean, a lot. I've, I know a few people or a lot of people in the UFO subject or the writing field who get very sort of, you know, above themselves and say, well, if you self-publish, you're not a real author. You know, they kind of have this image that you've got to be published by a known publisher. Well, you know, those days are long gone. And there's actually a great deal to be said, in my opinion at least, from self-publishing because you can write about what you like. It doesn't matter how obscure the subject is, you know, where a mainstream publisher might say, well, we're not going to sell many copies, so we're not going to publish this book on an obscure UFO case from 1947 or something. But you can do that. You know, you can design the cover yourself, you know, when you want to put it out. Uh, mainstream publishers, they want control. And they want I mean, all I, the I money. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, me, they, they, of, they do get most of the money. Yeah, and I think also when I do, you know, when I'm with publishers, there's a great deal of debate and discussion, you know, between me, my agents, and the publishers as to how things are to go ahead because, you know, I don't want to be with publishers that think they can just tell the author what to do, and I don't put up with that, you know. I make sure that this is how, you know, they say what ideas you have for the cover, you know, so I always come up with ideas that I think will be good, you know, and then they will do something based on what I suggest to them, and then it's sort of a case of, you know, we we sort of battle between the two of us. And I think, you know, it's important that an author retains control on the theme of the book. You know, I mean, there have been books where I've turned down the writing of a book because I didn't feel comfortable with what the publisher was expecting or wanting, you know. Yeah, good for you, Nick. You've got to stick with what I wanted to do. I've done that too, you know. That's really important. I've, you know, I've been blessed in one sense and then cursed in another. I've done all the covers for my books, you know, my last three books at least. I, I've done the covers for, and you know, I've been solely responsible for the content. I haven't had any problems with that. It's just, you know, the whole thing with with publishers is is normally you get an index. Normally, you get really good proofreading and editorial expertise. Sometimes if yeah. you go with a um, <laughs> with a, a less than a major publisher, uh, you don't get that kind of support. They get all the money. You have to do all the work. Unfortunately, the follow through isn't uh, you know where it should be. And and so there is something to be said for th- this new kind of phase of publishing. I think we're going into, and I'm looking forward to uh, maximizing my potential uh, independently. Um, yeah, that's good. I, I, yeah, I I really think it's important to uh, you know to to do it. And be the one, you, I'm not going to be able to point a finger at anybody. 
if I self-publish. So, and, and I think that rings true for anybody that's out there that thinks they have a good subject uh, and knows that they have a passion for the, for the subject matter and they, they have the research. Um, a good example would be Mike Clellan's book on yeah, owls. Yeah. You know, I think that was a very, very well done book. It's been really well accepted by the mainstream for a first-time author. Um, I think it's it's a good example of how it can be done properly and how you can have an impact with a really relevant subject. If you have a good subject, it deserves to be out there and it deserves to have a readership. You know, someone like you, Nick, I'm surprised you're not doing your, all your own books. You have so many books out, you have a, 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 you know, a well-established readership out there. And so you might even think about that. Now, there's one oh, thing well, I should I mention here. Have. There's a fly in the ointment with this, which is for a book to be properly done, you really need an outside editor, and that can be expensive if you want to invest in that. Well, it is, but I mean, you know, there's also, uh, if you're self-publishing, I mean, there's something to be said of, of just really having the author's input, you know, and not being turned into some sort of sterile writing style that the editor might want, you know, and I think this yeah. people kind of find that engaging sometimes when it's just... You know, it's sort of, as they say, the warts and all, you know, from the from the author in their own words. But, yeah, I think there's particularly what I, you know, what is known as the arts, there's way too much sort of self-important stuff of, oh, I'm a published poet and whatever. You know, it's like, well, it is like whatever. You know, I don't care if somebody's published by themselves or somebody's published by some major company. It's right. a story that, you know, is important. And if the person can put it out themselves... And get rid of the middleman, you know, more power to them. I mean, yeah. my, I mean, the women in Black Book and the men in Black Book that I, I did last year, they came out through my agent's company, uh, Lisa, Lisa Hagen Books. And um, Lisa's my agent, but she set up her own company. And we do my books, these books at least, the men in Black and the women in Black Books and a few others that are going to come out. We're doing those through Lisa's company. So it's just the two of us, really. Cool. Deciding on the subjects you know, how, what the theme's going to be and um, getting the designer on board and, you know, the person who's going to edit it and do the cover. But it's basically sort of mainly, sort, you know, saying well, this is what we want to do, what we can do for the next one. And um, But, yeah, I would like to do more, you know, go down that self-published path because I have got a lot of stories which are so obscure that I know, even though they're good stories, most publishers are going to look at them and think, we're only going to sell 50 copies. But, you know, for me, if it's only sell 50 or 100 if it goes to people who really enjoy it, well, so what? You know, it's it's sharing the information and entertaining someone at the same time. Right, and you're the only one that can write it. That's the yeah, important exactly. thing, is yeah. if if you don't write it, it's not going to get written. Mm -hmm. No, well, no Greg. Sure Greg's got some books on, you know, just weird experiences that, you know, he could do a cool book out of those or whatever. Yeah, well, what do you, what do you think of the uh, the self-published route, Greg? You've just gone through the whole process. I mean, any advice for uh, aspiring writers out there that have maybe a, you know, a data bank of some interesting material that they want to get out? Yeah, um, but I will sort of try to start at the beginning. You know, I, if I hadn't been published by, you know, two or three regular publishers, I probably would have just tried to go, and tried to, go to a publisher. Um, but since I had, I really didn't have any really bad experiences with anybody. I mean, there's some light editing and some of the things I did. Project Beta wasn't touched, really. Actually, Patrick Weege, I think, changed one word in the entire text. So I got really lucky. We'll be luckier if we break now, because we can come okay. back and we can go more into this. We have Greg right. Bishop. We have Nick Redfern. We have Gene and Chris. 
You're in the Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We all have heard about the benefits of fish oils, but what about the presence of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, furans, and other contaminants found in fatty tissues of fish? GCNteam.com recognizes this risk and offers IFOS certified tested omega-3 fatty acids, EPA, DHA, Insist on IFOS Omega-3 Fatty Acid Certification. Get the best at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Would you like to receive $250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. Brought to you by the Conservative Investor. Future returns not indicative of future results. How would you like to make 17% on your money in only 90 days? That's right. Gold owners made 17% in only three months as gold had its best quarterly gain in 30 years. Gold is on the move and you need to get government-issued legal tender gold coins starting at only $139 each. The U.S. Money Reserve, one of the largest gold distributors in the country, announces the first-ever at-cost gold release on this station for only $139 each. 1-866-944-GOLD or go online at usmoneyreserve.com. Official U.S. government-issued legal tender solid gold coins at cost for only $139 each. Call 1-866-944-GOLD. Ask for a free 55-page gold buyer's book. Plus, get a free Walking Liberty half dollar just for reading this must-have book all about gold. Remember, gold is on the move, up 17%. Call 1-866-944-GOLD. My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using a computer or, or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you are having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. Our friendly certified computer repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shot the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. 
If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to selectquote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. You know, ladies and gentlemen, my network had a freak out in our last segment. You know, which is good because, you know, you think about it this way. The show is broadcast early in the morning. You kind of think the engineers are used to the fact I'm not going to have one of those seven deadly words. So they're nodding off. And suddenly we've got Nick Redfern waking them up. Yeah, good. It, it sounded like the announcer of the home team, and you know, it's talking about a goal from the visiting team. He told me I was going too fast last time, so I, t- I took the paracast and he took me about 15 seconds. <laughs> that definitely has the record for the longest paracast stinger that we've oh, ever Oh, I done. don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it was that. But yeah, Gene said, you're saying it too fast. So I said, uh... I buried Paul. Self-publishing? Yes. Self-publishing. That's what we were talking about. Tell us about self-publishing, the the trials, the pitfalls, the the rewards, and the, uh, you know, everything that goes goes into it. Well, I've got this, like, weird control thing. I mean, when I wanted to do, well, also cheapness, when I wanted to do my website, or any number of websites, I just went on the web and just started typing in questions about how to do it. And eventually, you can find questions, you know, uh, answers that make sense. So I did the same with, with doing the book. Um, also, I went through Lulu, who make it fairly, you know, easy for you to do it. Because you just have to send them a properly set up, formatted file. And that takes, there's a learning curve on that, too. So what I would say is, if you do want to do this yourself, the first one's going to be just, it's, it's painful. But then after that, you've already got it down. Walter Bosley can tell you the same thing. He told me the same thing. If you get that first one down and the way you're doing it, uh, you get your process through and it becomes a lot easier. What um, I think it was uh, Gene said is that it, or maybe Chris, that it's valuable to have, no, it was Gene. It's valuable to have somebody else read the thing because otherwise you don't know how people are going to react to it. You know, I had a couple people read the book, both one for content and two to help me uh, uh, do some proofreading. And that was really valuable. So, yeah, that's the, there's one piece of advice I would say anybody that wants to self-publish, get somebody else to read it. Because what makes sense to you may not make sense to anybody else or not much sense. And they'll say, look, this, this, one, you know, this one chapter or whatever doesn't make any sense or, you know, I don't know what you're talking about here. Because obviously when you wrote it, you know what you're talking about. But the point is you have to communicate that. So that's a really important part. And the other one is just to be really patient about, about your learning curve, because it, it took me a while. You know, I'm, I'm not stupid, but I'm also not, like, horribly smart either. So it took me a while to figure out all these little things. And I did it in Microsoft Word. It took me a little while, but uh, I did it in Microsoft Word. And Kindle will actually take a Microsoft Word file, and they just... Uh, really? They, yeah, they convert it. 
So I had to get the little. So you, know, you didn't use like InDesign or like Quark or you know no. some of the desktop. Wow. No, I just took the Microsoft Word file, um, took all the formatting, like you know the chapter, the the headers and footers and all that stuff out, and you know I ran it through their thing, and it's like you know, and some of the pictures came out crooked and all this. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I have to center them first, you know, before I paste the pictures in. It it was just you know it took a while, but it, you know it, it took me I think four days of just sitting there all day for four days to get the Kindle edition uh, put together. So it, it's not impossible and it's not easy, but it's it's very rewarding because when you're done, you've got something that's totally one hundred percent yours. The right. royalties on them are much better than you get with a publisher, but the only drawback is you don't have the publicity machine. Right. Um, so you got to be your own publicity machine. And I, luckily, I know people that do podcasts. I do my own. I got on Coast to Coast, which helped a lot, too. Uh, all these things, if you if you know the people and you have the, the, the outlets to get the thing out or get, get your message out, use them. One thing I should mention also here. Obviously, a publisher has a publicity machine. But unless you're a best-selling author, getting that publicity machine to do much more than sending out a single press release is a job in itself. Well, it depends on the publisher. You know, we went through, for um, Project Beta, it was um, Paraview Pocket and Simon & Schuster. They sent copies out to everyone. They sent press releases out everywhere because they, you know, it's Simon & Schuster. They've got a a huge machine. They've got a whole floor of people that do nothing but that. Yeah, but if you go through, you know, Joe's Publishing, you'd probably do a better job yourself. The first one, maybe not, but... After you get going, it's a lot like anything. It just gets a lot easier. You find out, and, you know, at some point, you know, uh, there's already been books written on how you can do it yourself, and uh, those are helpful as well. Well, my, my first two books were done by St. Martin's Press, and at one point, the publicity campaign for the second book, I was doing 35 to 10-minute radio spots a day, and this oh, went on for yeah. o- over a week. Wow. Well, Nick, what what about you? I mean, you've got this, you know, wonderful listenership and, and readership, uh, people that listen to you on, on the Paracast and other podcasts and radio shows. But you've also got this wonderful, you know, base readership. How do you, how do you what would you advise somebody that's Fans. trying to get into this field that doesn't have that, that, that requires some help? Well, I mean, a lot of it just comes down to sort of hard work and, and the realization that if you want to turn a passion into a job, then you've got to work, you know, you've got to put the effort in and you've got to learn to know the biz, the publishing business and how to handle, you know, the people within it and, and not get screwed over, you know, not get taken advantage of to make sure that you have an agent who is conversant with contracts and legalities and getting things in your favor and don't be don't be daunted by it just learn it all step by step you know as you would if you worked as a i don't know as a car mechanic you know you learn bits of the engine bit by bit um it's, it's kind of like that you just have to know the business and i think that's when people sometimes get caught up and they fall down because you know somebody says to them oh we'll publish your book and it's the first time and i understand it it's exciting you know the prospect of having your first book published but sometimes people can get tangled up in all sorts of bad contracts or the publisher doesn't promise doesn't deliver what it promises you know and there's a the, the finished book doesn't look that good there's errors and stuff like that so regardless of the subject you know whether you're writing books about 
Hollywood actors or UFOs or sports, whatever it is, you know, you've got to sort of realize that, like I said, if it's your passion and it becomes a job, then you've got to learn your, your job. You know, that, that, that's really, it sounds hard, but it's, it's simple. You've just got to know what you're doing or, and have people around you who know what they're doing as well. And, um, and, and, and just keep pushing, you know, just keep pushing. I think sort of being in a position where you don't give up, you know, the first publisher says no, and the second one says no, and the third one says no, just keep pushing, you know, um, yeah. you know, it's what are you going to do? Just give up and lose, you know what I mean? No, that's, no, you just got to, you've just got to keep on and on. Yeah, you got to keep it going. And, and the same yeah. holds true for, you know, for other artistic pursuits, whether it's uh, the music business, which uh, can dovetail into this conversation effortlessly, um, the same thing's <laughs> going on there. Uh, the music business has been screwing over artists for decades, and now they're getting screwed over because um, artists are going direct to, uh, to the market uh, with their own uh, releases of musical material. And, you know, even films, I think. We're, we're going to see now major films i think the whole curve was kind of started with the bell witch uh project would be would be the classic uh, you know you know zeitgeist producing uh example of, of what i'm talking about but you know it doesn't matter what kind of artistic vision you have there's a way to get it done uh with you in total charge and in control in this uh wonderful technological age that we live in so you know if, it, if the vision is pure and the motive and means are correct and you have like nick said you're really willing to work at it and not give up i mean it's amazing the kind of uh you know it depends on the subject it depends on the album it depends on you know the film or whatever but you know i mean sky's the limit you can kind of write your yeah. own ticket in this day and age we got to write our own break right now, folks, so let's do it. We have Nick Redfern and Greg Bishop and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937.
By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to The Paracast. So now, ladies and gentlemen, if you wanted to publish your own book, listen to Greg, listen to Nick. I've done it a couple of times. Most of my books were published by real publishers. Not that it helped me. Yeah, what we've got to get away from, just quickly, is what I can't stand is this self-important, oh, I'm an author, I'm an artiste, you know. (laughs) know, It's like it's it's an exclusive club that you can't join. Well, yeah, anyone can join. Anyone can put out a really good book, and no one should be telling people that you, you know, you're not a real author at all. Those days of like big publishers and cocktail parties and all that stuff. I don't stand all that. You know, it's it's not necessary. Everybody's got a book in them, and everybody now has the ability to put a book out. And and if the old style of school of authors don't like it, well, you know, they they haven't moved on. They're dinosaurs, you know. Now, just in case you still want a real editor to help you out, I did go online to price out services for editing a book manuscript. 
And if you go to a Lulu or a Amazon Create Space, a fairly large book, like 70, 80,000 words, you're talking about three, $4,000. But if you look online, you go to an individual editor and some have pretty good records. You can save quite a bit of money. Chris, we got some more questions of Nick? We pretty much answered most of them, uh, Gene, but, but I do have another one from William Strathman. Relating to that kind of weird event that happened to you, Nick, what I guess it would be almost five years ago now, where your PC was hacked when you had an inadvertent call at the very beginning of the whole Roswell slide controversy. Oh, yeah. And have you heard back from the authorities about who... I got nothing, and so did a couple of other people who um, also put in complaints got nothing back. Now, that was a weird thing, because I'm never really sure, even to this day, if it was actually a, a hack or what it was. Or, you know, I mean, I'm not fully conversant on all those issues, but... Well, they, they knew information whole... that, that they only could have gotten from your computer or from an email you sent. No, it wasn't from mine. It was actually more from... It was Tony Bregalia and Rich Reynolds. It was Tony Bregalia's laptop that was reportedly compromised and that but what was happening was the the person who did it or the people who did it were reading his emails and then when me and rich reynolds were replying to them they were seeing what we were saying and they were responding but it wasn't oh, like okay. it was me and rich who had actually been intruded upon ourselves they were it was there was no doubt it was tony Brigalia who whose system was compromised you know, as I said, we were emailing back to him, so the person was reading it based out of his email accounts, you know. But that was weird because it was at the start, like you said, at the whole Roswell Slides thing, and this was before anybody had seen the slides and, and before anybody actually knew for sure that it was just a mummified child. And so I do sometimes wonder if whoever did the hacking, whether it was Sinister or just somebody in ufology, whatever right. the answer is, I think at the time, Whoever that person was, they were really interested and possibly even worried about what the photographs were going to show. And so they went because they weren't sure of what the people had got. And so I think from that perspective, that may have been why the hacking went on. You know, if they'd known in advance people had just got pictures of a mummified child, it wouldn't have happened because there'd be no point to it. So I don't think, you know, it doesn't legitimize anything other than the fact that maybe when the story first trickled out, Maybe, I'm speculating, maybe somebody on the inside thought, wow, perhaps somebody really has got a photograph from back then. Yeah. We need to look into this. And then when it fell apart, they kind of just had a sigh of relief, you know, and went away. You know, let me just tell you something I haven't mentioned before because it happened today. Now, I have lots and lots of email messages, some going back to like 1999. My inbox on one of my accounts, I won't say which one, an inbox with about 3,600 messages wiped away, disappeared, just checked it. And it wasn't on just one computer. It was on my iPhone. It was with different email clients, gone, vanished. Fortunately, the email provider we use, and I'll give the name because they advertise with us sometimes, Polaris Mail, okay? PolarisMail.com. They were able to restore most of it. Wow, so this was multiple platforms that the, the data was going It was nothing to do with platform. The webmail, you go online, you check your webmail, right. you check it in your favorite application on the Mac, would be Mail or Outlook for the Mac, or Mail on your iPhone. All gone, 3,600 messages. 
wiped wow. away. They weren't trashed because if they were trashed, you can go into the trash folder right. and see the messages. No, gone, zap, complete. Well, we were supposed to mention uh, Treble James Constable, who, another person who we just recently lost within uh, the last week or two. And we were going to talk about TJC's oh, yeah. theories. Uh, I, I guess we're going to have to <laughs> extend this back, well, out for another show because I'm telling you, uh, Constable and some of his theories about sky critters, I, I think are really important and very few people have really looked into the whole idea of you know the possibility of biological life forms existing out in our atmosphere uh i i think that whole concept and and the photographs that he got with infrared film it's just a, a really interesting fascinating subject and and the two of you i know have looked into constable's work and before we go here let's get some feedback on what you think he was on to, if anything, and do you think that his uh, photographic evidence has some form of legitimacy? Well, very quickly, if Greg wants to talk about Constable, one thing I would just very, very quickly say is, coincidentally, I've just written an article for Mysterious Universe, which is all about the fact that Constable was very interested in Albert Bender's story, and he corresponded extensively with Gray Barker, all about his theories on what Bender experienced, and that article should hopefully be up tonight or at some point tomorrow. Greg? Yeah, Constable, he's been very interesting to me for many years. I wish I'd talked to him at some point. Um, one thing people don't really know is that he was very interested in Wilhelm Reich's theory that actually built cloudbusters and tried to affect UFOs with them, and apparently he had some sort of uh, photographic proof that this had happened. He also um, uh, uh, used the cloudbuster actually to make rain, and this was recorded. And, um, I've never seen it happen, but it, apparently it worked for him, so... He's a lot more complicated character than uh, into a lot more things than a lot of people know. There's actually video or film of him in uh, in an old documentary playing around with his cloudbuster and like turning it around on the turret. It's a, it's a really cool little piece of film. <laughs> it's something like the uh, the three of us would have done. Oh, I would have definitely done that. I, I was trying out that stuff when I was uh, in my apartment, um, basically with little tubes and some running water just to see what would happen. Nothing happened. Now, Ivan T. Sanderson also had done some speculation about the possibility that at least some UFOs were living creatures. We're just out of time here. Trevor James Constable, we'll definitely try to do an episode about him. Therein lies many tales. Nick Redfern, where can we find more of your stuff? My blog, which is titled World of Whatever, and the address is nickredfern40.blogspot.com. Or Facebook, big deal there as well. Greg? I made up a site for the book. It's called itdefieslanguage.com. There's contact info there, and plus, obviously, the show is Radio Mysterio, so my next live one is on May 1st. Cool. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. Look for Paracast fan clubs, two of them, on Facebook. And also look for the Paracast Plus. We really want you to check this out. This is the best way to support the show. And what we give you with Paracast Plus is a version of this show with better quality audio, without the network ads, 41 minutes of those ads, zapped away. History. We give you the After the Paracast podcast, and that's one of the things where you never know what we're going to do, because frankly, we don't know until we kind of put it together and it always works. We have other features that are debuting. We have several show transcripts. There will be more, but it's very hard to take a show like ours and do a full transcript. It's a lot of work, 
but it's getting done. We're going to have a special section on classic episodes where we kind of spruce up the audio on the early stuff from 2006 and 2007 and thereabouts. We also have a video channel that's just starting up. And very shortly, you'll see some material from this book that Chris and Ray Stanford wrote. And that's worth a lot. Low subscription rates. Just check out the instructions at plus.theparacast.com. Plus.theparacast.com. Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop, thanks for joining us on The Paracast. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.